1: Terren Pritchett.
3: We are back for another Budweiser's Weekday Sports Speed on your home of the Fighting Irish. And Saturday's Notre Dame at Duke Contest, which will kick off at 7:30. Pregame starts at 1, including Game Day Sports Beat brought to you by Bud Light, Eric Hansen, and I in our studios. Tyler Horka down in Durham. We're on from 4 until 6:30. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Tuesday, September the 26th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett, joined by ABC 57's Allison Hayes, and we've got Budweiser's Weekday Sports beat coming your way on 960 a.m. WSBTradio.com, the WSBT Radio app, and a live two-camera shot on the Twitch. App. We're talking still more about that Whew. heartbreaking, frustrating, interesting Ohio State 17-14 victory over the Fighting Irish on Saturday. We know another big one's coming up this Saturday with an undefeated ranked Duke team hosting college game day for the first time. And the Fighting Irish are coming to town So, plenty to get to over the next two hours. We will also sneak in some Notre Dame football recruiting conversation. Amidst that game of the weekend, the Irish had three commitments. It was a really good weekend for Marcus Freeman. Deuce Knight was absolutely loving. Life as a Notre Dame commit. The 2025 quarterback, Mike, will talk about all of those storylines coming up, including two of the three recruits. Were defensive ends, and after last week, and we realized they do need another one or two defensive ends. If you know where I'm going with that, right, yes, sir? Yes, sir. Start the sarcasm early. Ugh. Let's just get it out of the way. Well, Allison, you picked Ohio State, and I give you credit for that. You and Tim Murray from Beeson had Ohio State winning this game, and you know I've I've thought about this game a million times. I told you yesterday I had my show. I had an hour and twenty minute YouTube live show, two podcasts, two other interviews. So I feel like I've talked about this game for six years when it, it was just twenty-four hours. And and I keep thinking, did the team who played the best win the game? And I keep coming to the conclusion of no, but also at the same time, you could argue Ohio State coaching staff had a better night than Notre Dame's. Although, then I looked at it this way. Then I'll shut up. You could say Notre Dame coaches had a great 57 minutes, but the last three, four, just so many head-scratching moments.
4: That's more my takeaway from it. I, I mean, I thought it was a great game. And trust me, I took a lot of heat all day long did (laughs) you you really for for picking Ohio State I did and I even had people you know come at me and say oh it's because you picked them I'm like please I wish I had that much uh to do influence with anything to do with the the Notre Dame football team that my my pick would make any difference whatsoever but I in all seriousness I, I I do I think and I and I hate to say that because it's you know, it's easy for all of us, especially after the fact, after we've sat and watched it over and over again and we've read everything we can read on, online and on social media and, and, and stopped the plays and really been able to dissect yeah. it for us to have all of these complaints. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, it, it does. It really feels like Notre Dame played a heck of a game and, and it was incredible to watch. And then when they got that stop, and fourth down with what four twelve four something yeah. to go, and Notre Dame's offense gets the ball back. I felt like they're going to win this game.
3: And then boom, boom, first downs, and they're yes. rolling.
4: And it's like, oh my gosh, this is they're going to win this game. You got Sam Hartman, give him the ball, let him dictate this offense with Audric Estime, and then everything just changed. And I don't—that's where I was the most perplexed on. Everything was why at the end of that game. Why are why were they not using Estime more? Why did he come out of the game it's on those final three possessions? That I, I just don't understand. And then, of course, when they weren't able to convert and then they give the ball back to Ohio State, this is why I picked Ohio State to win, and I hate to say it, and I don't want to be negative, Nancy, yeah. but history has taught us over and over and over again that this type of thing happens with Notre Dame, and it is in the big game, and I hate to say that too because they needed to get that monkey off their back, but – I f- felt, no doubt in my mind, that Ohio mm. State was going to win it on that drive. I did not think that Notre Dame was going to stop them, and they they had so many opportunities. It wasn't like there was just you know just one big play and you could oh you, you're sick over it. It's like they, they had. I, I have a, in my notes a fourth down, a third and long, a third and nineteen. That yeah. one is will drive me crazy for the rest of my life. And the fourth and seven, it's like, oh my gosh! And so I, you do feel like in in that moment. I mean, defense, the players had to make their plays and they needed to make the stops. The offense had a chance to win the game for them and put it away and and run the clock out. But the mistakes that were made on the coaching aspect of it, that's the one that I have a harder time swallowing.
3: And I spent a lot of time yesterday, including at the start of the show and with my guests, talking about the back-to-back plays in which they had 10 defenders on the field. And since the show ended last night, Something else has popped up that, for you as fans, I think this will absolutely allow you to pull the rest of your hair out. That's already been, (laughs) you know, there's probably some left. left. But on the final play in which Ohio State scored a touchdown, folks, they're at the one-yard line. Notre Dame was in a nickel package, which, if you don't understand, they had five defensive backs on the field. Jack Kaiser was on the sideline for that play. Jack Kaiser. And you see Thomas Harper, a safety slash nickel, getting shoved like five, six yards back in the end zone. And I want to be respectful and I know that the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator will meet the media tonight. I would just, as a fan and as a media member, I would love To get an explanation why at the one-yard line, when Ohio State is in 12 personnel with two tight ends, you would want to have a nickel package on the field with defensive backs when most teams, if not all teams, go with their big, massive package at the one-yard line. So, I don't know if they're going to be willing to talk about these things. If they've moved on to Duke, if they do, we're going to be out of luck, but... Having ten on the field, two straight plays, is something I have don't think I've ever seen before, and having a nickel package on the field for that play from the one yard from line from the one yard line, I I don't understand the thinking. I want to understand. I would I want someone to explain to me why you would do that, and if it's a good reason, okay. But I just well, it's in, not like they had five wide receivers on the field,
4: right? It, but in post game. Marcus did say he thought they were going to pass, oh. and so that must have been why.
3: Yeah, because he didn't know the defensive end wasn't there on the right, right side of the line. They just walked in. <laughs>
4: Exactly, uh, and I don't expect that Al Golden will give any great explanation for it today just based on our history of...
3: He'll of, take responsibility. Yes, Everybody falls on the sword and, and then... blow it
4: off it. and move on, and that will be wanting to move forward, which I get. I mean, you know, it is probably time. The other thing, though, that that I think I kind of just lost sight of or forgot about, completely forgot about, was that this isn't the first time Notre Dame's only had 10 players on the field, on defense, in the red zone. They also did it against Tennessee State. And, and that time, it just worked out okay for them. That was on the opening drive, mm. and the quarterback basically just underthrew on the pass, and their wide receiver's footing slipped. And so, they had an opportunity to tie the game at 7-all in that first quarter, and Notre Dame just lucked out in that situation. but. This is a problem, right? Like uh, This is a pattern. It's, and, and you mentioned, we were talking before we got on near that Marcus didn't have his headphones on. So if someone's up in the booth and they're even trying to tell him, hey, coach, somebody, yeah. he doesn't have his headphones on, he can't hear it.
3: And let me just back up what Allison was talking about. Unfortunately, we don't get a long enough look on the camera, but after Ohio State threw the incomplete pass with Timmon on the field, then Ohio State had one more play. In between those two plays, NBC has a shot of Freeman, and he takes his headset off. Now, maybe he put it right back on seconds later, but being unable to communicate with your head coach, that's something that headset can't come off. Yeah. Can't come off. And and I'm sure it was the emotion of the moment. It was sure. stressful. And you're probably taking your headset off and scratching your head. But just in the case someone was trying to communicate with him, his headset was off. But again, maybe it went right back on. It was no big deal. Who I think knows?
4: there's going to be a lot of, a lot of ch- times, and they're going to have a hard time as coaches getting over it. You can, you can get over it. and You can move on, and you can play Duke, and you can give them a great game. But I think the, the, there's moments in this game that, ten years from now, fifty years from now, they're they'll be regretful, and they'll have you know they'll think back on it and just say, gosh, if we had just done this, if we had just done this. It could have been so different. It could have completely changed the trajectory of the entire season.
3: What's tough is for us in the media, the next time something happens, it's hard for us to defend the people involved in this situation based on the major screw-up that we had and arguably the most important moment of any game that Notre Dame will play this year. No doubt. You just can't make excuses for this.
4: Just have to hope it doesn't happen again.
3: I mean, you just gave another example of when there was a screw-up. So Marcus said there's a system in place, but is there a system in place that is effective? Right. I-
4: yeah, what, what, it's not working. Ooh. If there's a system in place, it's not working. So time to go back to the drawing board and, and, and work on something better, I yeah. guess.
3: Well, Marcus was asked about that, solutions to the subbing issue and all these storylines. Here's what Marcus had to say yesterday.
5: No, no, we don't and we we talked about it as a staff, but you don't want to plan for having ten guys on the field, right, and so um it's just a unique situation where you can't by that time get somebody into the game because the ball's on the one yard on a far far hash. If that happens when the ball's at the twenty five yard line, you just get somebody on the field. you should be fine, and so we we talk about the biggest thing is having a signal to say, "Hey, jump off sides," and so um, that's something we usually go over on Fridays, like these last situational plays um, that could happen in a game, we'll go over on Fridays. Um, I can't forget what the first part of your question was.
3: Okay, so that was Marcus going over the solutions. And this is how I laid it out yesterday, and I want to be consistent because I try to put myself in Marcus's shoes the moment he finds out there's only 10 on the field before that game-winning touchdown, which sounds like it was seconds before and putting myself in Marcus's shoes, I don't know if I could have been able to wrap my head around the situation and come up with the proper conclusion just like that. I don't know if a coach for 30 years. It's such an odd circumstance to have 10 on the field with seven seconds left in the game or whatever it was, and you're at the one-yard line. So there's a lot of weirdness here, and I don't know if I would have come up with the right answer. But as I said last night, 40 hours removed, I disagree with Marcus from one standpoint. He said he didn't want to give Ohio State a chance to regroup and call another play. My rebuttal is this. Which is better for Notre Dame? Which of these two scenarios? Ohio State snaps the ball from the one-yard line with 10 Notre Dame defenders, including one defensive lineman missing, or is it better for Notre Dame to take a penalty – And Ohio State has the ball at the half-yard line with 11 defenders on the field. Right. Which is better?
4: I would have to think it's you want 11 on 11, right? Absolutely. you got to be evenly matched. Give yourself the best chance, and your best chance is 11 on 11.
3: I think Marcus would like to have a do-over with that answer. No doubt. Because taking a penalty there at least lets you regroup. I don't care if Ohio State has a chance to regroup. You are in desperation mode. Yes. You're up against the ropes. I mean, Mike Tyson has you up against the ropes and he's hammering you. I mean, you got to call timeout. Exactly. <laughs> Wait, and that, get out of here. That
4: was what 64 straight yards of just getting yeah. run over yeah. and g- giving up another first down, another first down. And yes, they absolutely needed to regroup, they needed to have all their strength out there. Yeah, it's just it's just so disappointing, and just not being able to finish. And it wasn't just the defense, and it wasn't one guy. No, no, it, it was there were multiple. I mean, even in the very first drive of the game, Notre Dame drives it seventy-one yards, fourteen plays, and comes away with zero points. Yeah. And it was that kind of day.
3: Yeah, it's not just ten men on the field. It's not quarters defense on third and seventeen. You can argue the offense is a bigger reason why they lost this game with everything that you laid out. Not to have a three and out, a drop pass, a sack. I mean, everything turned out okay. The offensive line held up. You had 176 rushing yards. But at the end of the day, and by golly, I'm not going to sit here and be silly and say that Price and Love didn't run the ball well. They had seven yards per carry. But on fourth and one on two occasions – And on the final drive, those guys I mentioned are wonderful football players, and they're going to be three-, four-year players in this program that are going to do great things. But they're not built like number seven. Absolutely. And on fourth and short, or on that final drive, in which he started the drive with an (laughs) 11-yard run and was taken out, and we saw five different running backs. Why? Why? Why, why, why? I get it in the middle of the game, use their strengths, but there is, I'm sorry, there is no reason anyone can give me that for most of that drive, Estimate should have been the running back. Now, if you have a screenplay like they had, okay, that's different. But even that call. He's, he's a monster. He's hard to bring down. The Buckeyes are on skates. They're getting tired. Your line's doing a good job. Yes. Why give Ohio State a
2: break?
4: And you're also Why? trying to use up the clock, too. Like, that that as well. You've you got your guy who's arguably one of the best running backs in the country. He could even be in the Heisman conversation. And you don't keep him in. I want him in on every single play on that final drive.
3: Every fan I've talked to or media member says the same thing. Now, maybe there's some out there that loves what the coaching staff's doing. That's great. But on that final drive, how you can come up with a conclusion of estimating not being your horse running the football is absolutely, stunningly unacceptable. There's just no – I'm sorry. (laughs) I can't can't deal with it. And I've bought into this three-headed monster last year and five this year. I understand why they're doing it, and it works with all the different players using their strength I'm just talking about on the final drive. Right. Seven. Yep. Seven. Everybody else go get a hot dog and a brat from North Carolina State. You can enjoy the rest of the game. Seven. Seven gets the ball. Yep. That's it. That's it. I totally agree. And if that doesn't work, by golly, I went with my best. Exactly. And that's all I asked. Should we bring in Steve Angeli?
4: Right. Exactly. For like 15
3: plays in the game and use his strengths as maybe a guy that can run a few yards? I'm being hypothetical. Of course. But come on. Seven. Seven, 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 seven. On the final drive. Seven. And if they stop him, you tip your cap. But I don't stop running the ball until they're out of timeouts. That's the one thing. Make them use all those timeouts. And then if you want to get a little frisky and throw it, fine. But until they use all their timeouts. Yep. Seven. Yep. Seven runs left. Seven runs right. Seven runs up the middle. And if they stop me. Hallelujah. Good job, Ohio State. I'm frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. And that's why it's not just about 10 on the field. Right. And third and 19. Exactly. It's as much on the offense. They scored 14 points. Yeah. They're in scoring. How many points did they leave on the field in that game?
4: So many.
3: It's just ay yeah, 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 And you know what? I like the fact Marcus Freeman said he's going to be aggressive across the 50. Fourth and one, he's going for it. I like it. I have no problems with that. But in fourth and short, not to have seven on the field again. I, I just – even the, the Mitchell-Evans, Mitchell-Palooza package coming in on fourth and short is better than Hartman doing it, right? Yeah. Man. Coaching's hard, but – there is no coaches in the world that outthink themselves more than football coaches. It just feels like they have to outthink everybody. When just keep it simple. Yep.
4: Keep if you've got sim- a power back and a power body, 230 pound Audric Estime, let him do his job.
3: 14 carries out of the 39.
4: Yeah. 14.
3: Yeah, but on the final drive, seven, 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 seven. <laughs> Okay. Final
4: drive, he's sitting on the bench.
3: After an 11-yard run to start the drive. Yes. Mm. Perplexing. But yet, we have guys take personal foul penalties. They stay on the field. Audric fumbles once, and he sits for how many drives? Yeah. He gets punished. Maybe. Is there more to this story? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to get into hypotheticals, but if a guy makes a personal foul, the old days you got taken out. Anymore? No, just keep playing. We'll be fine. Okay, I've kind of combined the first two segments (laughs) of this opening drive, so let me just move on quickly to the third.
4: Okay, fair enough.
3: This one gets me more fired up than anything, honestly. (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. I love it. Uncle Lou and his motivational speeches have been known around the world to be quite effective. Uncle Lou being Lou Holtz. But of course, before this Ohio State game, he went on the Pat McAfee show and he stirred up, I guess, the the hornet's nest by saying these nice things about Notre Dame's opponent last Saturday.
2: Notre Dame is a better football team than Ohio State. Love hearing that. Please, coach. And let me tell you why. We have the best offensive line in the country. Sam Hartman won't even get his journey dirty all year. He has time to throw the football. The offensive line, we have great running back. Esteem is averaging about 10 yards a carry. We have great receivers. So offensively, we're set. Defensively, our defensive line's better. And you look at Coach Day, and I coached at Ohio State under Woody Hayes. We won the national championship when I was there. So I'm proud of that. However, he has lost to Alabama. Georgia, White. Clemson, White. Michigan twice, White. and everybody that beats them does so because they're more physical than Ohio State. And I think Notre Dame will take that same approach.
3: In the last 10 years, Lou, Notre Dame has lost to all those teams, by the way. But exactly. I, I regress. <laughs> I'm just pointing out factual data. Now they have beaten Clemson, of course, twice along the way. So Lou said that, and as soon as it happened, I'm like, I don't know if I really believe in bulletin board material, and you don't need extra motivation for a big game, but if I'm Ryan Day, I'm just telling my team just how weak they are and yeah. how soft. I mean, I mean, this guy's won a national championship with Woody Hayes. He knows everything, and we're just these weak old boys from Ohio, you know, we're not very strong. And Ryan Day, of course, after the game on, NBC went right back at old Uncle Lou
4: going to be easy but it came down to the wire and what can you say about the performance from your quarterback kyle mccord to finish that drive toughness
5: toughness that's it physicality across the board finish it off having guts you know like i like to know where lou holtz is right now what he said about our team what he said about our team i cannot believe this is a tough team right here we're proud to be from ohio It's always been Ohio against the world, and it'll continue to be Ohio against the world. But I'll tell you what, I love those kids, and we got a tough team. What did they prove to you tonight in this victory that you'll take away and run with? Toughness. Everybody's questioning these kids all the time. We had one bad half the last couple years. That's it. Everybody wants to question these guys. These guys are warriors right here to come back and win. This kid right here to come back in the second half and win. I'm emotional about this for a reason. A lot of people question these kids and say a lot of things about them. I love them. When someone attacks your family, to come in and win like this is special. It's a great win for our program and a great win for Ohio State.
3: I can't blame him for defending his program. I don't know if I would have went WWE. I was waiting for a Ric Flair woo at one moment there as he just kept going and going and going. But I'll say this, and then I'll let you jump in, Allison. But it's always been about Lou. Lou loves hearing Lou talk. Lou loves being part of the story, and he put himself right in the story with his comments, and Ryan Day had every chance or every opportunity to fire back, and he did. Now, Lou kind of doubled down in a conversation today. He said, quote, he's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job. He has a great offensive mind. Ohio State's a good team. I don't think they're a great team. He can go after me all he wants. I honestly felt that Notre Dame was better and more physical, and I'm sorry that Coach Day was offended by it. I hope he goes on and has a wonderful year. I don't think they'll be a great team. I really don't. And he said Notre Dame was the better football team. I felt Notre Dame won the football game. All we had to do was fall on the ball. Okay, so there you go. Well, There's that whole situation. I know Lou was on your show on Saturday, and I'm just curious what you think about Uncle Lou getting involved in this game.
4: Well, I'm not surprised by it, and uh, and like you said, I mean, I mean, but people want to hear his opinion. They want to hear what he has to say, and you sit on the edge of your seat kind of waiting for those little nuggets because he's an incredible speaker. He did go on uh, the Dan Dockett show today, which mm-hmm. I'm sure that's where yep. it came from, and he said that he actually called Marcus Freeman and apologized he for should've. giving Ryan Day... Uh, motivation and and providing uh, motivation for OSU, um, and he said he shouldn't have said it, but that he he stands by it, and um, I thought that was interesting, and I thought it was cool that he called Marcus and apologized, and I'm sure Freeman was like, you know, no problem, because I mean, what what do you do? It's somebody's giving their opinion, and it, it I in the moment that it happened. Uh, or in the post game, and and it's blowing up, and we're sitting in the post game press yeah. conference waiting for Freeman to come in, and people are like showing me like, oh look at this, look at this, look what Ryan Day just said, and I was like, what? How could he do that? And then afterwards, I went back and I really you know watched it, and it's in a way it was almost kind of silly that he like goes after Lou in that post game press conference right there on the field, not press conference, but just post yeah. game reaction, but I actually loved the WWE and, like, <laughs> just fired up and going off because you could feel that emotion. His team finished the game, and Notre Dame's didn't, and that's what it came down to, ultimately. They had an opportunity, and they capitalized on it, and they punched it in, and they scored the game-winning touchdown, and they finished it. And so I would have probably felt just as fired up, and if that was something that was burning him up, he felt like his guys were tough and – and they showed yep. it. In that moment, they did show it. So I, I give him a pass on that. I mean, I feel, you know, everyone else is like, oh, how could you go after an 87-year-old man like that? Well, like you said, Lou, he put himself out there for it. it yep. lo- you know, love it or hate it. But uh, eh, it's all part of the, the, the charm that goes along with Lou Holtz. And I, I kind of love the whole entire situation. And I hope Lou continues to share his opinion. And I hope he fires people up. And I, I hope he continues his love for Notre Dame.
3: Well, I talked to one of Lou's closest friends, and they even said Lou needed to stay out of it. Yeah. Lou needed to stay quiet. That was not the opportunity to say all that. That's just poking the bear, and there is no sense in doing that. And if Lou wants to speak his mind and call out Ryan Day, call out Ohio State, in order for those comments to be taken seriously by me, why don't you make comments about having 10 men on the field for two consecutive plays? having a nickel defense at the one-yard line. So if you want to be fair, please be critical of your team if you're going to go after the other side. That's all I ask.
4: I don't know, though. Like, in that moment, I I mean, I'm sure he – and he should have been thinking this, but to be fair, he is 87 years old. I don't know that in that moment he was trying to be disrespectful. You know, maybe he was. I I don't know. I mean, I think he was playing to the crowd – he had a pro-Notre Dame crowd right there. He's on the campus of Notre Dame, and they're egging him on, and they want to hear him say that, you know. And so I, I don't have a problem with any of it. I, I, just, I think it's actually crazy that Ryan Day took it so personally. You know, this, is, this isn't this is even someone who is actively involved in the media as a commentator or an analyst or anything. He is 87 years old, coming back to the school that he was the head coach and won the last national championship at, and people wanted him to talk about his team. He didn't need to say that Ohio State wasn't tough, but everything else he said, I'm totally okay with. He said all of those exact same things to me, that same day, He's, he told me that Notre Dame is a complete team. He said all the same things about the O-line, about Sam Hartman, about Audric Estime. So, I, I just, I don't know. I, I, bring it on. Bring, get the fire going. I, I had no problem with it.
3: 20 years ago, the South Bend Tribune put an article in their paper and had inaccurate information about WSBT radio. Ooh. Dead False. And the individual who wrote the story, I asked him twice to come on the show, and he said no. Mm. Said no. So what did I do later that day on Sports Beat? I ripped the individual, and I ripped the South Bend Tribune for putting unfactual stories in their paper about my radio station. I was offended, and I was going to stand up for my radio station because we had no opportunity to fight back with because they were going to do another article and say sure. oh well WSBT proved us wrong so I did what I thought was best and I went on and ripped the two individuals and I basically banned that individual from being on the show the rest of his time at the South Bend Tribune they were Lou Holtz and I was Ryan Day in that moment yes and I'm going to protect my turf and that's why I have no problem with what Ryan Day did now did he go a little overboard with the WWE stuff <laughs> absolutely but at the same time I've been in his shoes, and maybe it's little apples and oranges, but I'm going to defend my property.
4: Well, and you said he went – did he go a little overboard maybe? But I bet his players didn't think so. They loved it. I bet they loved it.
3: I don't care what the negative people say. I'm just taking care of my players. That's all that matters. And I was just taking care of my radio station that particular day. Yep. And I would do it again if I had to. So that's why I'm okay with it. And to be perfectly honest with you, I've had two horrible run-ins with Lou Holtz. I would never put him back on my show because of it, because he was rude to me. Really? And he was a jerk. And so I gave him another opportunity, did it to me again, and so I'm done. I'm done. So is that making me a little more biased in the situation? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But Ryan Day had to protect his turf, and I respect that.
4: You know, I had heard that before, and I actually saw a video a long time ago. I've had several opportunities to talk with Coach Holtz, and uh, the last three years in a row, honestly, um, here at Notre Dame. And, and it was an exclusive one on one. I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Um, and he's only ever been extremely amicable and charming and all of those things with me. And I so I appreciate that, but I have seen him do what you're talking about to yep. some others. Nope. And I would not want to be on the receiving end of that.
3: Nope. And it's surprising
4: because, you know, you you only see, you know, like the the cute, charm, sweet little old 80-year-old guy. But then to see that other side, it's like, whoa, where did that come from? Mm -hmm.
3: Oh, yes. I've seen it twice. We'll take a time out. More Fighting hours Talk next on WSBT.
1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Ball caught,
0: touchdown!
1: What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career. Goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Setting up Estadero over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame.
3: It is 543. Sports Speak continues on WSBT Radio, brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years. Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash SaladGround for details. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And Notre Dame Hockey, the wait is over. Single game tickets for the 23-24 hockey season is now on sale. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by ABC 57's Allison Hayes, do you guys have a game day show this Saturday?
4: We sure do. And lucky us, we get to go head-to-head against college game day again, so that's really fun. Oh, we were like, oh, come on, guys, or you're <laughs> killing us here. But we're doing a one-hour show. Levon Whitaker will be live in uh, at Duke, and I'll be hosting the show live in studio. Uh, one of the big things that we've got is um, a- a- an interview with uh, Jerome Bettis, the bus. So, nice. yes, you don't want to miss that.
3: And hopefully very soon his son will be verbally committing to the Fighting Irish, a really good-looking wide receiver, and his sister already goes to Notre Dame. So maybe it's a matter of time before we have another Bettis playing football here in South Bend. So that's 10 to noon then on Saturday. No,
4: nope, 11, which is a one-hour show this week. Okay, yep.
3: 11 to and 12. And same
4: for next. So when uh, Notre Dame at Louisville, I'll be making that trip to Louisville, and we will be doing a one-hour show there as well, 11 to noon.
3: Okay, that's ABC 57 Saturday from 11 Until noon. All right, let's go over a couple of things here. Again, the Irish fall to Ohio State, 17-14. Marcus Freeman on the deciding factors for the loss to Ohio State.
5: There's multiple plays um, all over the game that, you know, we have to learn from. We have to to be better. You know, you think of the uh, fourth and one situations on offense. We've got to convert because we're going to continue to go for those, right? The the percentages um, of success – you know it, that is a mindset that I have, and we have to be able to execute. And then, in turn, we have to be able to make our field goals. We can't miss field goals, all right. And 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 that's another important play that we have to make sure that we execute when we can. Um, can't give up a six-yard touchdown run. We got to continue to tackle in the open field um, at a higher rate. And uh, you know the, the the lack of execution on both sides of the ball, really, with four minutes left to go in the game. Um, that's to me would, would really finalize that game. Right. And you, you think, you know, as you think about defensively, I think that last drive they converted on third and 10, fourth and seven, third and 18. And then, you know, the last two plays we have 10 guys on the field. And so, um, you know, even to just address that, right. Is that the reality is when, when did you find out it was too late right? it was too late. And, um, You know you don't have time to get by the time we realized there was 10 guys on the field you don't have time to get somebody from you know the sideline when the ball's on the one yard line in the front you know on the far hash to be able to you have to touch somebody on offense to get them to stop the play and so by the time we realized that to run somebody out there you would have got a penalty but they would have declined it and still scored the touchdown and so as we talked as a staff yesterday, obviously we can't let that happen. We know that we, we can't um, let 10 guys be on the field and not see it. But two, you know, we have to be able to, we came up with a call, a signal to be able to say, hey, you have to jump off sides and, and, and touch somebody on the offense so you can stop the play, right? And so it was a learning opportunity for myself and everybody um, involved with our program. So.
3: You just don't want to learn in a top 10 matchup. Right. That's, that's the part. Um, you know, the execution was players and coaches in the final four minutes. So no that was a pretty in-depth explanation from Marcus on the deciding factors in the game. I guess let's take Tim in on the field for two plays at the end off the table mm-hmm. for a second. What caught your eye as a major factor why the Irish lost by three?
4: There were a few things, and in, in a game where points were at an absolute premium, there were some head scratchers early. I didn't necessarily have a real problem with that very opening drive where you go 70 yards in 14 plays and and then you go for it. It was at fourth and one, right? So they, they go for it and they get stopped. But it was just frustrating. I think I was standing next to Brian Driscoll and he was like, ah, I have no problem. That's a great call. Me, I would be more conservative and I would just want to take the points. But that's easy to say in hindsight. But at the moment, I was I was saying, no way, go for it. Get the, get three points, get, get a score here. And they didn't. And that happened multiple times then throughout the game. And then missing the field goal, that is getting to be a problem. And I think it's something that's kind of been overshadowed so far because of some of the other things that are going on, but he's now missed four. You can give him a free pass on that 59-yarder, yeah. but, I mean, come on. And I hate to do that to a field goal kicker. I love uh, – Spencer Schrader seems like an incredible guy. I got to, I did a nice story on him, and he's super smart and all of those great qualities. But at the end of the day, that is your job. Your one job is to make field goals, and, and you're missing them. In, in critical games and in a top 10 matchup. And so that's inexcusable to me as well. And then, but when it comes down to it, like I said earlier, it, not being able to do anything on offense when you stopped them with four minutes and 12 seconds to go, you literally had the opportunity with your best players. You've got Sam Hartman, who people talk about for Heisman. You have Audric Estime, who you could talk about for Heisman, probably not now, but you could have both of those guys. And, and those are the championship moments, right? Like, this was your moment to shine. And you have four minutes to go, get your best players out there and let them do what they do best. And that did not happen. I, I question that call there of taking him out. You have a 12-yard reception by Flores. You have an 11-yard run by Esme. You take him out. He doesn't go back on the field for those last three plays. That part is the most frustrating to me, despite not being able to stop them. And them going the length of the field, essentially, and scoring the game-winning touchdown and the 10 men and all that good stuff. But for me, it's like defense has always kind of been a question this season. But the offense hasn't been. The offense has been the bread and butter. And this team can run the ball. They're balanced. They can pass it. They've got the experience in Sam Hartman. And that's where I felt like the most disappointed was in that moment. And I said this earlier, when they could not convert when they could not get it done and get the points or get any, just run the clock out basically is all they needed to do. I, I just knew it. I just knew they were going to blow it on defense and let them win. And they did. And so that's the most Um, sickening feeling I've had from the, from the overall feel of the game.
3: You know what you said a moment ago about taking the points on that opening drive. I mean, that's interesting because my old way of thinking, I agree with you 100%. I guess I went a little bit more toward those darn analytics that in that spot, fourth down and a short yardage situation with the personnel I have. Sure. And with the way the offensive line was working on that opening drive, I feel like I wanted to go for it. Again, seven's a pretty good option. But, yeah, I, I can really live with either way, taking points or going for it there. I don't think there's just an awful choice there. But based on my personnel, I'm leaning toward going for it. It didn't work out. I still don't think there was enough conclusive evidence to overturn Hartman not no, getting the first down.
4: No way. Not conclusive. And that's no, the whole that's point. That's the
3: key. Not yes. I think or maybe. Right. It's got to be conclusive. And if you called it a first down – based on everything we saw on NBC and maybe replay had a different angle of something. I just did not see conclusive evidence. Did I think maybe he didn't make it? Maybe, Maybe. but I need a hundred percent conclusive evidence to overturn it. And I don't think they had it. So I still feel like that was a big moment in the game that did not go Notre Dame's way. That might've might've led to seven points. You know what? Worst case, I think they score three. So. Yeah.
4: You know, on the, the flip of that, too, so I, I think the same quarter, what, was it was on uh, Ohio State's opening drive. Did they, they were fourth and one with the opportunity to go forward or, or kick the field goal. Same thing, I'm standing with Brian Driscoll, and yeah. he's like, ah, I love this call, go for it. Now there, I did love the call. I, I would have gone for it if I'm Ohio State because in that moment, that would have been so demoralizing – to the defense if if Ohio State was able to score but it was really uh, it felt like a good momentum turn for Notre Dame's defense that they were able to get that huge stop. Yeah. So, I don't know, but it, and it's funny because and I am more conservative. So, as Notre Dame, I say kick the field goal, get the points, but as I'm watching it and I'm and I'm seeing the almost the exact same situation for Ohio State, I said they should definitely go for it. <laughs> well, I'm
3: not going to repeat what I said earlier, but I just hope they reevaluate short yardage. Yeah. Reevaluate. Okay. Marcus Freeman on Saturday talked about the play of his freshman skill players like Jeremiah Love, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores. Heck, you can put Jadarian Price in there. He's a sophomore in school, but a freshman, you know, playing after the Achilles last year. So all that skill, they played a major role in Saturday's game.
5: Again, I think I've said this before it's a credit to. Our recruiting staff and the evaluation and by our coaches of high school talent and and two of those guys came in early from really good high school programs one came in the summer and so that misconception of you got to come in the, the winter to play early is, is wrong but those three guys are were well prepared when they got to Notre Dame and have done a great job
3: well those freshmen have been quite impressive let's point to Flores and Great House the wide receivers Are they rising up your confidence level if you rank the wide receivers one to seven?
4: Yeah, no doubt. And I I mean, that's exciting. And I think it's so great for recruiting as well because it's a very different approach than Notre Dame has had with freshmen for forever, it seems like. And so he's saying, hey, if you're showing out at practice, if you're, we're giving you opportunities on the field and you're taking advantage of it, we're going to play you. And I think that's huge for recruiting. It's going to – you know, young guys love that, and they want that opportunity. And, heck, yeah, I mean, look at Flores. And even Freeman said, he's like, I don't want this – the loss to overshadow Rico's performance. Yeah. He had a great game, three three receptions, 20 yards, his first career touchdown, um, played on almost all of the the plays in that game, all 60 plays of the game. So good for him on that. And then you, you look at Great House. He right now is tied for second most catches with 12 receptions yep. on the year. And he's tied for third for most yards with 166. It's – the it's going to lead us into our next uh, topic of like having some injuries and having to deal with that. But I think I am I love it. I think it's great. If you're the best player out there and you're a freshman, go for but it.
3: Three of the top seven at the start of the year at the wide receiving position could be out for the Duke game. We know Deion Coles, he's going to be out. He's got a, going to have his knee scoped. Matt Salerno's been out. And Jaden Thomas is questionable with a hamstring injury. So three of your top seven could be down for that game against Duke. Now, I'm not going to comment on this because I've said my piece, but after carrying the ball 20 times out of Notre Dame's 37 carries last week against Central Michigan, Estime had 14 of the 39 carries against Ohio State. Irish head coach Marcus Freeman was asked about Estime being used less in this game.
5: Again, we had certain packages, unique packages for that game, using two back sets and um you know, Coach Parker was just continuing to um call the game as is he felt was it, it was necessary, you know, and, and um Audric understands that Audric played well, really well in his in the plays that he uh was in the game and, and he's a huge part of our offense. But it's just a great to me a reminder of how deep that running back's room is and um the unselfishness of audric to me that speaks volumes about
3: well i'm not going to comment but i'll say this were you a fan of the friends tv show yeah okay so thank friends for a second thank monica and a moment ago when i was going seven 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 if i hold up this picture we won't go any further but do you remember this episode
4: I don't actually. Okay. So I'm okay. sorry to ruin that, but no, no, I'll, I'll tell you off okay. here.
3: I'll tell you off okay. <laughs> here, but she kept saying seven, seven, seven. So apparently I'm Monica now on friends. <laughs> all right. Final soundbite We want to play for you. Notre Dame sack quarterback, Kyle McCord one time on Saturday, there were a couple of quarterback hurries. Did coach Freeman get what he wanted out of his pass rush? I think we
5: had one sack right in the game. Um, had a, a couple QB hits and pressures. You know, we got there. We just didn't get there enough. You know, it's never enough. Um, but I thought the D-line in and in the, in the different pressure packages that we had uh, was effective, especially in that last drive. You know, it was effective. Um, that got them into those third and long or fourth and long situations. Then we have to convert. We, gotta, we have to convert defensively all 11 guys have to convert on those long situ, those long yardage situations and so again w- we're always gonna try to improve right and and it, we're never sad we're greedy people and so do we got to be better at pass rush absolutely do we have to be better at pass defense yeah and, and we're top something in the country I don't know top top two in the country and so we have to improve in all areas absolutely
3: okay well that's part of the debate When you're talking about third and 19, should Al Golden have blitzed? He went rush three, drop eight. What you have to ask yourself is, if you believe Notre Dame should have blitzed, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just pointing out, if you're going to blitz, you have to know whether you think your unit was going to get to the quarterback. And based on past history, you just aren't sure they're going to get there. So that's part of the risk of blitzing. In that situation, again, I'm not saying you're wrong for thinking that, but that's what has to go through the defensive coordinator's mind. Am I going to get home with this blitz? And if you don't have confidence, it's hard to do it. So have you lowered your expectations? I mean, we had low expectations for the pass rush at the start of the year. Have you lowered it? I mean, how are you handling what you're seeing right now with this pass rush that Marcus Freeman has told us, hey, we see it in practice, but we just don't see it consistently in games.
4: I think realistically, we have to lower our expectations just based on what we are seeing game after game after game. And if you're not able to get much pressure on Tennessee State and CMU, you're not going to get much pressure on a team like Ohio State and and now you're looking at Duke with Riley Leonard and that dude is mobile. We saw him on that huge first down run against Clemson yep. and I mean that was awesome and he they're coming off another big win they're undefeated I mean he he's got good numbers he's a good quality quarterback who is can hurt you with his legs too so I mean I think yeah it definitely has to be I well I it's, it's a priority, but you can only do what you can do, right? So if your personnel can't do it, we're seeing Al Golden trying to get creative with the ways that yep. they can get that pressure on. So the one thing I wanted to, to mention sure. before we run out of time with me is that no one's saying it, but who who did scheduling for this season? I do not understand how there are seven straight weeks with no bye wow. week, how you are coming off of Ohio State and you don't have a bye, there, how many guys are injured now? We just heard Maris Leifau had a stinger against Central Michigan, didn't really practice all week. He did not play well against Ohio State, really. And then you've got guys that are, are – Jaden Thomas might be out. He's got a hamstring. Even if he plays, if you've got a hammy, you're not. he's not going to sure. be 100%. And so I just, I feel like they're, they kind of put themselves in a tough position, especially when you traveled overseas to start the season. It's just a bit, I know from my perspective and I'm not physically playing, I am dead after Ohio (laughs) state. Oh my gosh. I could use a bye week so badly. You know, the players could use one and probably coming off. I mean, either it would have been a big win and then, oh, it deflates you. Maybe it kills the momentum if you you have that bye week But I just think whoever did the scheduling, which are you sure is Jack, why wouldn't you put a, a buy-in and then all the buys are backloaded yeah. I, in november in the in
3: october it might have been two years ago i asked this question and boy i'm testing my memory but i believe the acc part of the schedule is given to them mm. so then they have to work around that so right. that you might don't make want it to more take difficult. one at
4: central michigan or tsu sure. so well okay so yeah. that makes sense i guess but
3: yeah navy took the week off after dublin notre dame played Tennessee State, so there's different ways of doing it, but I hope I'm right, but I thought when I asked this a couple of years ago, it was the ACC sets, the games Notre Dame is involved with, with their basically ACC conference schedule.
4: So if that's the case, do you move Ohio State up a week, you know, or or something, you play them Central Michigan and, and swap it, and then you've got a bye week after and then you uh, then I don't know it where takes, do you put central it, but
3: it takes two to tango yeah Ohio State would have to agree to yeah. all that and it may affect their flow of the schedule so you might be at the mercy of just things happening it is and what things it is falling the way they that's are that's
4: a tough that's a, a very tough road not for, arguing yeah, for anybody for any team
3: especially with four prime time games in a row now and Louisville's better than we thought, Yes, and Duke is playing wonderful football right now. They're building off last year. USC is kind of USC, so this is a really Whew. interesting stretch of football. Really, Pittsburgh's the one team that's probably not as good yeah. as we thought, and our old friend is having some issues in the Steel City, Mr. Jakovic. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. Allison, will do the Twitter question of the day, then we'll get you out of here as Sportsbeat continues on WSBT South Bend.
4: Seven. Seven. Seven.
2: Seven. 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 Seven.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Monica. All right. 608 at WSBT. <laughs> did I sound like that? <laughs>
4: Seven. Seven. You did, actually. Good call.
3: Mine was about football. Hers was about something else. Okay. Twitter question of the day. Allison Hayes, Darren Fritchett with you. Yesterday we asked you, What played the most into the outcome of Notre Dame's loss to Ohio State? It gave two choices. Number one, the offense scoring only 14 points. Choice two, the defense with 10 men on the field and giving up a third down and 19. What is your vote?
4: Uh, I've gone back and forth on this, but I think just based on what I've even said today, I honestly, I just feel like if they just could have gotten it done on offense, there wouldn't have even been the situation that they were in in that final drive and in, in that final two plays there. Um, you have one of the best quarterbacks, one of the best running backs in the country, and you have four minutes left on the clock. The ball is in your hands. You have a chance to win it, and they didn't do that, and that's my biggest disappointment, so I'm going with the offense.
3: You are a winner because 54% said the offense, scoring 14 points, had the biggest Factor in the outcome of the game, the defense with ten men and giving up a third and 48 percent. Yeah. Good well and, and
4: the offense was scoring forty plus points a game and, and so and also with one note to give credit to the defense, held Ohio State to the lowest point total since two thousand seventeen. Wow. That's impressive. Even last year I was like, Well gosh, what was it last year? It was twenty one points last year. So mm. since two thousand seventeen, that's the lowest point total. So Give, okay. there's definitely positives. Once sure. we kind of get past the, the mistakes that were made, there were a lot of positives that can be taken from that game too. You just have to hope. And also, I want to give a shout out to Gabe Rubio. So I had shared a video on Twitter of the alma mater, and I, I don't remember my exact wording, but it was something along the lines of like, this one's going to be really hard to get over, you know, because it's just heartbreaking. And I said, you know, dot, 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 like ever. Yeah. <laughs> and he retweeted it and quoted it, and he said, it's supposed to hurt yeah. but now we rally and he's gotten a ton of great feedback from that on social media from people who have their back and you just have to hope that they do rally because I think that game doesn't have to define their season but what they do after it and what they do against Duke can define the, the rest of their entire season
3: I just feel like most fans and I'm probably included I can handle player making a mistake but when coaches make a mistake it just feels different yeah different okay today's question you can vote right now on my twitter x account at 960 SportsBeat. which of these caught your attention the most during notre dame's loss to ohio state tight end mitchell evans the corners benjamin morrison and cam hart or the irish offensive line all three of those played extremely well in this ball game. So you can vote right now on my Twitter X account 960 Sports Beat. We'll have the results tomorrow. Your answer would be
4: I loved Mitchell Evans one-handed catch. It was awesome. Glad to have him back. That was huge for Notre Dame. I love the offensive line play. They played better than I expected, and I give them props for that. Really uh, kept that Buckeye front uh, just outplayed them for most of the game. But I'm going to give my biggest kudos to Ben Morrison and Cam Hart. They held two of the best wide receivers in all of college football to four catches and 37 yards. They did their job. That was impressive. So I'm giving it up to Ben Morrison and Cam Hart.
3: All right. You're on ABC 57 with the ABC 57 kickoff Saturday morning, 11.00 to noon. Yes, we
4: are 11 to noon this week and 11 to noon next week and then we'll be back on campus for our normal 10 to noon.
3: Sounds good. Allison, good to be with you on this Tuesday. I mean, one of those Tuesdays we still have plenty to talk about. So hopefully things are just a little more, dare I say, it's going to be hard to put topics on a sheet of paper Tuesday. You know, that's a good thing. That means Notre Dame won easily and we're all in a good mood (laughs) (laughs) and have nothing to whine about. You won't be so
4: fired up next week, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, seven, if, seven, 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 seven. Yes, something like that. I've, I've got to work on it. Monica did it much better than me. All right. We'll see you next week.
4: Thank you. That's
3: Allison Hayes from ABC 57. Coming up, Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting. And wow, a lot to cover there. Busy weekend. That's next on WSBT.
0: Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouthwatering, char-grilled, sir. Fied Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers. All made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Salt Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.